Welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the 49th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts Cameron Albert alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today Kyle? I'm doing pretty good Cameron. Um, it's a beautiful Friday morning here at Revel Advertising Studios where uh, we couldn't record the podcast last night so which we normally do on Thursday night so we're here on Friday morning, and we've got just lots of production going on around us, so that's pretty great. Yeah, if you hear the good people of uh, Revel uh, working, that's because that's their job, and usually we're not here when they're working. So also, if you usually listen to this on your commute on Friday mornings, we apologize. You'll have to listen to it later in the day, although the stats show our most popular download time is Friday at 5 p.m., so we'll be up for that. Well, that's what I like to hear. Everybody, that's that's what they want to do right when they get home from work, you know? Um, we got a really good episode, a lot of news, uh, a lot of stuff to talk about because football season is almost here. Like mm-hmm. we are in the home stretch games so close. are right around the corner. Um, so if you have any friends that are Mizzou fans, this is a great time to jump on board with us because it's going to be full steam ahead. I uh, don't want to fall behind. So, uh, as Kyle runs his, uh, drinking glass into the microphone stand, that was like kind of a cool noise. Yeah. That was like a nice little chord that I just made. <laughs> so tell your friends. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you leave us a rating. Uh, next week's going to be even cooler than this week because we're going to have a special guest on. Uh, somebody longtime listeners will be familiar with. We're going to do our seven-on-seven seven draft like we did last year. And then we have some really big news for the podcast. So you're going to want to uh, be listening next week for all of that but first we're going weekly now yes we are definitely going weekly kind of you kind of uh, hinted at that but for the rest of the football season then we'll carry that right into basketball season so if you don't want to fall behind now is the time to jump on before we get into the meat of today's episode which is previewing the football team all the players well not every single player but uh Before we do any of that, we're going to jump into some news, and we'll start off with basketball and some pretty terrible news. Cam Fletcher, 2020 wing from Vashon in St. Louis, has committed to Kentucky. Yes, he certainly has, and we talked about it last episode, I think, that um, he was going to be visiting Kentucky. If he made it out of that visit, then we felt pretty good, but he did not. No need to go listen to last week's episode where our predictions are falling flat literally a week later. So, yeah. yeah. So, I don't really know what else to say about it, honestly. It's it's a bummer. It's um, another in-state guy going somewhere else. And, I mean, I can't really fault him. Kentucky's Kentucky. Um, Would have been great to see him uh, don the the black and gold of the of the home school team but that's okay i really didn't see it coming to be honest i did not think that he would be committing like on his trip i don't know really I, I, yeah uh man i i got part of it honest. i guess was I just like, like optimism gonna, but yeah. it, what's sad is he's he, of the big three he was probably most likely to come to mizzou too i think mizzou really was in his top two um maybe top three i don't know but doesn't that doesn't really matter at this point nope so i don't know i guess you never know we got a long way to go before they actually uh end right. up on the official roster wherever they're going but i don't think many people will decommit from uh from john calipari so no um it'll be 
a difficult battle for him to find playing time, in I my opinion. So. I think so. Um, they're always bringing in a stacked recruiting class, and last year was no different, and they have some holdovers that will be sophomores this year that are going to be looking for more playing time, and they're going to have a top-five recruiting class this year, so he's going to have a lot of competition for playing time. I agree. Some good news, though, uh, on the recruiting front is Caleb Love trimmed his list or gave us a top six, um, and Mizzou made that list along with Arizona, North Carolina, Indiana, Louisville, and Kansas. So a little bit of good news and also flies in the face of my prediction of him committing to Virginia because they didn't even make <laughs> his list. Yeah, um, <clears throat> good to see Mizzou make the list. I mean, it's always nice I mean, to get that respect, um, even though I still think there's a better chance Fletcher ends up at Mizzou than Caleb Love does, <laughs> even after committing to Kentucky. Um, but, yeah, I still think Caleb Love probably ends up at North Carolina. But uh, I saw an interview where, I, honestly, I probably should have should be saying where I saw this interview, but somebody asked Caleb Love um, if you could give a word to describe all of these top six and I should have written down uh, what they were but I noticed that his word for Conzo Martin was genuine and I thought that was a pretty good representation of, of who he is and some of the other words were like cool and awesome and I thought yeah. I thought genuine was was a cool representation of cool and of, awesome cool and awesome but ma- mainly genuine yeah um <laughs> good way to describe him so that probably means we're gonna land him <laughs> definitely um if you want something to root for Root for a kid named Jaden Springer to commit to North Carolina. He's a kind of a combo guard, a six four five star player, number eleven in the country. He's considered a North Carolina lock. Twenty four seven Sports has him at one hundred percent. So, if he commits to North Carolina, that would only help Missouri. And also, I guess just root for Kentucky to get everybody yeah well let me ask you this this is a slight uh conversation change but do you think cam fletcher going to kentucky has any influence potentially on josh christopher if it was just that if it was just him i would actually say that it helps kentucky but the fact that they also just got a commitment from bj boston uh from california he's ranked right behind josh christopher in the national rankings Christopher's at nine, BJ Boston's at ten, so still a five star, and he's six six shooting guard, and he committed to Kentucky. So okay, so let me rephrase. Do you think Cam Fletcher going to Kentucky potentially helps Missouri's chances of landing Josh Christopher? I really wouldn't say they're too related at all if it wasn't for the Boston commitment, okay. because I think they would one hundred percent take Josh Christopher and Cam Fletcher okay. in the same class. They might still. I mean, they probably still would Wouldn't take... Wouldn't that be insane if both yeah. if two of Missouri's big three went to the same school and not Missouri? <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty terrible. Oh, goodness. But with them already taking a five-star shooting guard, I feel like mm-hmm. that is really what helps Missouri's chances with Josh Christopher. Yeah. I, and now I, with that, them filling up their um, like 2020 recruiting class more with whatever positions is good for Missouri. Mm-hmm. At this point, I, I I don't think I see Josh Christopher going to Kentucky. I think they've just landed too many players similar to his position at this point, and I think he's got. Uh, if if worse, it, I think we need to be more worried about the some of those West Coast schools um, that he's got some connections to over there. But 
Yeah, and, and with Caleb Love, um, it's, I mean, he's been so quiet about his intentions and, you know, those rare sound bites that you do get, like what you were talking about, doesn't really reveal too much at all. So um, he still has no predictions on his 24-7 profile. No experts have really any idea what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing the basketball news, I have to give a shout-out to R.J. Layton, who is a in the Mizzou Athletics Communications Department. He cleared up some things that we've actually talked about on this podcast regarding um, player name pronunciations for the basketball players. So if you didn't see the tweet, um, it was pretty funny. He let us know that Jeremiah Tillman Jr. prefers Tillman Jr. over just Tillman. Are you going straight 100% Tillman Jr. from now on? No. I, I was like, <laughs> I think that's the one where I just don't think I can do it. I've said Jeremiah Tillman too many times. Yeah. I don't think I can. Um, uh, it said, I'm like, not, we're not like mispronouncing his name no. per se, I guess. So, I mean, I will try to, junior. yes, I will, I will try to remember that and use that when, <laughs> if at all possible. Um, one that we kind of went back and forth on was Parker Brown. I think this was the biggest one of the four where uh, this is like surprised. Now everybody. we were, we, we were early on this we, though. We did. We were at least aware that yeah, it could th- be, that that was a possibility. Yes. So Parker Brown, not Braun, And then Xavier Pinson, like Charles Xavier, not Xavier in Cincinnati. That's one where like, well, that's his actual name. So you actually have right. to, we have to correct that and it's going to take a while. <laughs> yep. And read Nico, not Nico. I think we've been saying Nico, I think I've been, I go back and forth. Yeah. I don't know. But now we know for sure. And all the TV announcers say Nico. And so yeah. I was like, well, they're probably wrong. So I, <laughs> I've been saying Nico, I think. All right. So I'm glad we have that information because that'll help come basketball season. And that Parker Brown one is a little confusing. Yeah, it is. With the spelling versus the pronunciation. And then the other, the biggest piece of basketball news that'll make the, uh, episode title is the non-conference schedule for next season was released in full we know all of the non-conference teams that missouri is going to play i'll just run through it real quick i'm not going to give you the dates or anything you can look that up but the slate goes as follows incarnate word northern kentucky xavier wofford moorhead state butler in kansas city oklahoma or stanford charleston southern temple SIU Carbondale, Illinois, Chicago State, and West Virginia. So I'm with away games being at Xavier, at Temple, and yes, at West Virginia. Thank you, thank you. Um, without like breaking down these teams, obviously mm-hmm. we can only go off of what they did last year, right now, and that's going to change. They're going to be a lot of these teams are going to be really different from last year. If you had to just give a record, what you expect what you expect the record to be after a non-conference slate here, what would you think? Um, I'm going to be a little optimistic and assume that Jeremiah Tillman shores up some of his... Tillman Jr.? Tillman Jr. uh, shores up some of his foul trouble and that some of these freshman guards take the next step in their game and have improved their their bodies and their their shots. And I think Mizzou's going to be pretty good this year, and I'm going to predict an 11-2... Wow. I thought I was being optimistic when I wrote down 10 and 3. With losses at Temple and at West Virginia. Wow. 
Um, yeah, I don't even know where the three losses are going to come from. I'm just thinking 10 and 3. You're probably right. We'll break it down uh, yeah. in much more depth when it comes closer to basketball season. Yes. Yeah, my 11 and 2 could always change, but for now, that's what it is. Nope, you can't change it. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it all the way through December. Um, I think we can switch gears now to football. That's what everybody want to hears wants to hear about anyway. Um, first piece of news that I have is that Mizzou quarterback Sean Robinson had his transfer waiver denied. He transferred from TCU, put in a waiver to be eligible immediately. The common thinking was he would probably play less or fewer than four games this season and redshirt. Mm-hmm. That would be the smartest thing to do, but he will not have that app- opportunity whatsoever. He will just be redshirting per transfer rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been nice to get him in there, <clears throat> maybe in some blowout games this year, uh, get him some playing time, and obviously still not, like you said, not use the uh, the year of eligibility. So that next year when he's at this point, I would assume that he's probably going to take over the starting role or be a front runner in the competition for that next year. He would have some experience under his belt. Um, but I mean, he, he played a little bit at TCU, um, already. Um, so he has some playing experience, but it would have been nice for him to kind of run in Mizzou system a little bit, but that's okay. And I heard a quick interview with him, I think maybe on power Mizzou where, um, I mean, he's a smart kid. He was prepared for this. He knew that this would probably happen. So he wasn't, you know, shocked by this. Like some of the fans acted like they were. So, um, he's going to be just fine. I think so. Yeah, I mean, you you said it perfectly. I mean, it would have been nice to get him the experience, uh, some game reps, but I don't think in the long run, I don't think it's going to hurt him too much just being a practice-only guy. Uh, next up, I wanted to talk about and get your opinion on the Kelly Bryant slash Clemson championship ring controversy that just came out a few days ago. I think a lot of people are blowing this out of proportion, yes. but uh, what's new and yeah, it's it's August and it's talking season and there's people nothing, are bored. Yeah, there's just we gotta talk about something. But ultimately, okay, well you can tell the listeners about what the situation. So is. Clemson won the national championship last year. Kelly Bryant was a part of that team before he transferred. Actually played in four games last season, um, and then was a graduate transfer, so he's eligible immediately for Mizzou. Clemson, like I said, went on to win the national championship. They got championship rings. Head coach Davo Sweeney elected to not give uh, Kelly Bryant a ring and said you have to be on the team, basically saying you have to be on the team when we win the championship to get a ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, honestly, like I don't really care like if Kelly Bryant has his ring or not. And honestly, I don't think he does either. That's the biggest point, <laughs> he, I think. He's made it pretty, pretty clear that I – I was not expecting to get one. I don't really care. Um, and so I think that's that's ultimately why it's just ridiculous how much this has been blown out of proportion because it's not like Kelly Bryant saying, like, I deserve a ring. I, yeah. He's not doing any of that whatsoever. Um, the fans are probably in the media are the ones that are 100% driving this. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, if he, if he gets one, cool. I mean, yeah, he helped him get through. I think he kind of helped him clutch up in a couple early games. Um, in the season where maybe if they lose those games, they're not there. Um, if he, if he gets a ring, great. I mean, it's just not that big of a deal to me, at least personally. Um, I think what bothers me probably the most about the whole situation is that we've gone back to the conversation about almost like a, like a moral crossroads with, um, the transfer situation. Like people kind of 
saying he quit on his team and I'm like, Oh, good grief. Yeah. Like <laughs> what would you do if you, lo- I mean, you lose your starting job justifiably to the guy who leads them to a national championship, you know, who, to a guy that's younger than you, you there's not a lot of playing time in, in your future. Right. I'm going to go where I've got an opportunity to play. There's nothing wrong with that. We see it a hundred times a season. Uh, we saw it, you know, <clears throat> with uh, who's the guy that just transferred to Oklahoma? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. So I think I saw a guy on Twitter like defending Jalen Hurts for saying know, that he did it the right way by yeah. like sitting on the bench behind Tua. But yes. and did then, you forget uh, about the fact that he just transferred? Yes, exactly. So I don't know. It's a ridiculous conversation. I mean, yeah, I just feel like people aren't really thinking sensibly. Shocker. Um, like if you if you're at your job and it's like somebody it's like getting passed over for a promotion actually it's like getting demoted at your job somebody else takes your job you're going to start looking for a new job yeah like that's just how it works yeah and it's it's it, i mean college football you got 4 years to to prove yourself when probably almost all of those guys if not all of them their goal is to play in the NFL right they want to go to the next level and how do you go to the next level if you're on the bench yeah. when Ke- and Kelly Bryant who has a legitimate you know, claim to somebody that might have a shot at the next level, he's not going to have a claim if he's on the bench. Right. And it's, yeah, it'd be almost a different story. It, it still wouldn't make a ton of sense, but if somehow the, uh, scouting reports and everything on him was, he is a lock to be a top five pick. He doesn't have to play another down of college football. He is one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in years. He's a lock for a top five pick. It'll just matter. Does he go number one or not? Mm-hmm. If that was the story and he could say, well, whatever, I'll just back up. Maybe we'll win another national championship and um, everything will be great and I'll still be a top five pick. That's not his situation. I I still think that player would transfer in this hypothetical, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't his situation at all. He had to play to try to get a spot in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the example you gave kind of a real world, real world, you know, life workplace example that's a great example because i guarantee you if i get demoted and somebody younger takes my spot i'm looking for a new job right. i mean i didn't quit on my organization yeah um i'm just lo- looking for the best best thing for me and it's utterly ridiculous that people would say otherwise yeah. because you know everybody would do the same right and there are situations where that can work i mean a player there can be a competition for a spot maybe you just usually don't see a player that started a full season be named the backup and then just stay on and And finish their career there. Play half a season almost as the starter and then get demoted essentially. Yeah. Yeah, So it's not. It's a pretty rare situation. And the fact that anybody can say that Kelly Bryant was in the wrong. I mean, I don't think Clemson was in the wrong. I don't think the coaching staff was in the wrong. I don't think Kelly Bryant was in the wrong. It's just, I don't know. It just happened, and <laughs> you're gonna get scrutinized for everything. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, speaking of ridiculous, mm, kind of made-up controversies, uh, the next item here is the barstool sports controversy uh, <laughs> surrounding Mizzou camp, and I don't know. I think again, it's all manufactured. I don't even, man, I don't even know if it's a controversy. It's just that one barstool guy that tweeted that inflammatory tweet. Yeah. That I honestly don't even know if it's true. I don't know. No, it, I, mean, I mean, there might have been like a couple. I think there might have been a couple, you know, beat writers that you may not know as well. But the big guys like Gabe and Dave, I guarantee you, had no issue or yeah. were not. And they came out publicly and said, "This guy isn't this." 
team of barstool people that's there has not interfered with our job whatsoever yeah you know we i think gabe said there was concern that maybe they would but those concerns went away when it actually happened and nothing i mean everything was fine yeah so uh, if we're if we didn't clarify enough um I forget his name, Caleb Presley, Caleb Presley I think. Uh, works for Barstool Sports, and he, I had never heard of him actually until... He was on Theo Vaughn's podcast. Oh, was he? I heard him on there maybe like a month ago. That's funny. With, that's um, the only reason I knew who he was. The only Barstool people I really know is um, Big Cat and uh, yeah. PFT from He's a, he's a rising star, if you will, in the organization. Gotcha. So he was at Mizzou Camp, covered it in great depth. He was on the field, and... It's just um, kind of like lighthearted. Yeah, like some really fun videos with the coaching staff mm-hmm. and with the players, and it was cool, you know. Yeah. And it gave fans a look into the camp that we don't normally see. Right. It wasn't your standard, like, journalism, I guess, per se, because I don't think Barstool's claiming to be journalists necessarily. So They're entertainment. They're, they, yeah, they're 100% entertainment, and I thought it was a really cool thing, and um, it gave Mizzou a lot of uh, publicity, pub, blah, 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 there you go. publicity on the national level. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. It just brought a unique thing. It was, it was fun to kind of follow him along for the week. Yeah. And to everyone's credit, the real in quotes journalists, they came out and said they didn't have any problem with it. So mm-hmm. good on them. Yeah. I, just I kind of downplay in this. For the most part, Mizzou has some really, really great like yeah. media people and oh, I, they should coming out of the journalism that's school. That's true. But I, this is a sidebar. We can, we'll jump back to this in a second. But, um, if you follow, you know, Dave or, or Gabe or some of those guys, um, they're really like just tell you how it is. They don't, they're not fans of the team. If you ever look at some of the other journalists, I guess if you want to even call them journalists for some other teams, it's, it's insane how yeah. they're always like homers of the team. It's really cringy. Like sometimes Illinois and, has some really, yeah. really bad ones, but anyways. Um, so thank you, Gabe and Dave for bringing very great quality coverage, um, for Mizzou. But I wanted to quickly I think I tweeted about this, but I just wanted to talk about Barry Odom's transformation that oh, he's yeah. made in the last couple of years. I mean, the, his first fall camp, man, like he, he's just like a robot. Like he was just like, nobody's having fun. Winning is like my only care. And like, it just, <laughs> he, he was like shutting down like anything of them. There was like no media access. And like Gabe was pretty outspoken and how disappointed he was about it. And, um, now he's like doing interviews with Barstool. <laughs> so yeah. he, you know, he's got Barstool guys like walking around on the field. So um, incredible transformation. Uh, clearly he's more comfortable in his job. He's more comfortable with his team. It's his guys now for the most part. I think somebody had to have let him know like, hey, this is like this kind of coverage is good for the program. I mean, either that the, or he just realized maybe. like after a couple of those interviews, like, hey, these I mean, these are good guys. Like yeah. he got to know probably some of the media better. Right. And he's like, these guys genuinely are trying to do their jobs. And they want to showcase my guys, mm-hmm. and there's probably and there's nothing wrong with that. There are there are bad media people out there that want to, you know, use stuff for clickbait or in try to. They're only worried about themselves, and they'll, you know, kind of let rumors go, and they'll, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I think Missouri, like we've like we've said, genuinely has good media people that are just trying to do the the best job they can. Definitely. All right. Some uh, good news on the football front on recruiting. Um, Missouri got a a commitment from Robert Wooten. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been expecting this considering his Twitter profile header is a picture of Fro Field, Mm -hmm. but now it's locked in. Yeah. Quick background on this guy. He's the the one that was very outspoken about his support for Mizzou probably 
in June, July, he, like I just was like, okay, this guy's going to Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Randomly commits to Arizona, and we're like, okay. And then he decommits from Arizona maybe like a month later, and then that's what was like, okay, he's going to Mizzou now. He probably uh, he has to. And then so sure enough, he he did publicly commit uh, maybe a week or two ago. But yeah, he's a defensive end from Texas, and um, I think he just is the perfect representation of where the game's going as far as edge rushers go just i think he's he's like six four he's a really l- like long arms and ha- looks like he has a lot of room for growth like he's his body looks like he could put on some some more good weight he's fast and hits hard um so i think he's got the chance to be a pretty special player yeah he's definitely got an impressive highlight video yeah um one good thing about us recording this on a friday morning is we got to watch some Mizzou players in the NFL preseason last night. So we wanted to touch on that a little bit. I think you said three different Mizzou players scored touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The Marriott Crockett, <clears throat> who plays for the Texans, um, scored a touchdown. And I think that was in probably the second quarter. So I don't think he was playing first string running back last night, but I think he was probably getting second team reps. And then they were playing against Green Bay, who Jamon Moore plays for them, and he scored a touchdown as mm-hmm. well. So that's kind of cool um, that they were going up against each other. Um, and then quick note on Crockett. I mean, Houston, their backfield is just desolate at this point. I mean, yeah, they, they just traded for... Yeah, they just... Uh, well, that's true. They traded for Duke Johnson, Yeah, I so think, yesterday. They might be looking at him as their number one guy, but... He almost certainly It's pretty is. wide open. Yeah, it's, it's wide open. So Crockett, I think, has a good opportunity to, at the very least, make the roster in some capacity. Uh, Jamon Moore, I think, is still fighting for a spot. Yeah. I think they know how talented he is, but obviously he's got just a different set of issues i can think sometimes i think he's got some maturity issues did um, it did he maybe have a big drop or something right before the touchdown because i only watched the highlight as it was presented on twitter mm-hmm. and the announcer said he didn't have a problem with that one or something it's and very possible insinuating that he had a big drop and then he was also not very celebratory after the touchdown like he was frustrated at something because he kind of just walked off the field looking upset it's very possible i think he's kind of had an issue with that in college and in his first year in the nfl so um yeah i hope i hope that he makes the team in green bay because i think he's in a position to succeed there are a lot of talented wide receivers there but i don't know i'd like to see him succeed of course definitely um and then the third one is a guy that you may have heard of drew Locke. who's that uh he is a quarterback oh and he plays for the denver broncos right right and his first week his first preseason game they played in the hall of fame game last week he didn't do a whole lot and just neither team really got any offense going he didn't so he didn't really put up any great numbers and kind of got caught some uh criticism from the fan base and even his own coach didn't really have a whole lot of things great things to say about him which i was kind of disappointed by but he got a lot of run last night. He, I think he threw the ball like 20-something times and probably played most of the game, and he had like 170 yards and a touchdown. So it was good to see uh, him play a little better, and just it's that's what it's going to take for him. You know, he, he just needs reps at that level, and yeah. I think he can, uh, he can be a serviceable quarterback for sure. Some other guys that I saw making the box score, Sean Colkin had a catch for the Chargers. Yeah, he's been like pleasantly – Good, pleasant, uh, pleasant surprise. Uh, a, a surprise, but a welcome one. Oh yes, for sure. Um, also, Trez Hall had a sack oh, really? for the Patriots. I didn't even notice that. And there was a couple other defenders. I think that uh, Shane Ray had half a sack. Who's he play for now? 
That's a great question. <laughs> I don't even know. Wow. Plays for a team. You got cut by the Broncos, I think, or just left the Broncos. I don't know. I'll do that research while we keep Let's talking. Let's get the research department on that. But um, it's really good to see these guys actually contributing. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if they don't make the roster, like Sean Culkin has been kind of right there in the Chargers organization mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. Can you also, research department, uh, find out where Marcus Golden currently is? Shane Ray looks like he's with the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, okay, that's right. I didn't. I knew that. And I know where Marcus Golden went, but I forgot. I know it's not Arizona anymore. Looks like he's with the New York Giants. Okay, that's also what I thought. Cool. Lots of Mizzou guys everywhere. So hopefully somebody... Uh, all, we need, all we need is them to wear an NFL team's jersey, mm-hmm. and then we can put them on the list. So that when recruits walk by, they can see <laughs> that list of all the pros. Plastered on the wall. Yeah. Terry Beckner Jr. is in Tampa Bay, so mm-hmm. another person to keep an eye on. All right. Well, I think that's it for the news. So we can move to the big uh, item of this episode, which is the football team player previews. The meat and potatoes. Oh, yeah. If you if you will. The sustenance. Yeah. Um. So let me pull up the depth chart here, and um, why don't we... Do you have a, a place that you'd like to start this uh, breakdown? Do you want to just start ranking them? Do you want to start from from worst to best? Okay, so start like with the position group with the most room for improvement. Yeah, that's and, a better way to word and it. And talk about them. Yeah, so we've grouped all of the... Uh, we're excluding special teams from this, but... We've, I've grouped it in quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, and DBs. So that's, you know, safeties and cornerbacks are all kind of grouped into the same. DNs and D tackles are grouped into the same group. And we're going to rank them. Uh, so what do we got there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven groups? Yes. Okay. Correct. All right. Actually, I have eight. Where Did you miss one? Yeah. Quarterback, running back, uh, tight end. All right. Um, okay. So... It's this is it's very segregated between offense and defense. I it's uh, but my position group with the most room to improve is the DBs, um, just because I think they are probably the least proven group. Um, but I think there's a lot of talent there, um, so it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I think they're I think they're going to be better than last year. I sure hope so, but they gotta. Got to be better. Got to be better. Now, I would, I don't know. I kind of, in my mind, I'm looking at the defensive backs and the defensive line, and they're kind of similar in that the defensive backs have DeMarcus Acey and Christian Holmes, who I think that tandem is going to be really good at cornerback. Mm -hmm. However, the safeties are a real question mark and have easily the most room for improvement although I'd say it's pretty close between them and the defensive ends. Mm -hmm. So the interior defensive linemen, obviously led by Jordan Elliott, I feel really good about the inside, the interior of the line. I do not feel good about the ends. So I'm actually going to put the defensive line at the eighth spot, most room for improvement, Mm -hmm. and then the defensive backs right above them at seven, even though – it's basically a tie because they've got some players that are very reliable and then they've got real question marks as well. Yeah. There's kind of a flagship player at every level of the defense with Jordan Elliott, 
on that defensive line and Kale Garrett linebacker and, De- and Demarcus AC uh, as a DB. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's kind of, I really honestly struggled with all three of the defensive kind of position groups because they all have unproven guys and they all have a, a stud player that mm-hmm. you can trust with your life probably. So um, I actually put linebacker as my, what would that be? Seventh spot, mm-hmm. second to last or second to most improvement most room to improve (laughs) um mainly just because i honestly i think kale garrett is probably the most important player on the entire team maybe as far as the success of the team um he's just the anchor of the entire defense uh however what's around him i think is a bit of a question mark right now because we lost brandon lee and therese hall from last year so we've got nick bolton coming in who's a sophomore and i'll talk about him in in a little bit later but i think the, the coaches are really high on him and have no I I think they've been aware of, of his potential um, even last year when he was a freshman he came in and uh, really turned some heads and then I think the other spot at linebacker is going to be probably Gerald Nathan Jr. Uh, or maybe even Ron L. Perkins might play some I don't really know what they're going to do with that other linebacker spot because they've got uh, a third position called bandit that's kind of I guess a DB position that I think Ron L. Perkins is is listed at maybe. So it'll be they might do something creative with the linebackers and DBs. It might be kind of a hybrid presi- uh, position that I don't really know if you would call it a DB or a linebacker, but all of those guys are kind of just linked into a lot of a lot of uh room for growth and and improvement. And then I had defensive line as my as my third to last uh, or my sixth place. So the defense bringing up the last three Literally, spots. yes. Last three spots are defense just because I don't – I mean, I don't know how you could uh, – if you want to go on potential maybe, then I could have listed some of those higher. But those all those guys just – Yeah, when you're just talking about this upcoming season. Haven't been consistently good yeah. and at any point really. So um, Jumping back real quick to the safeties, um, I think Josh Bledsoe and Tyree Gillespie do have a good opportunity mm-hmm. just – because they're juniors um however jelani williams i think is going to really be pushing for some playing time i think so too um he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of of playing time in his career i think it may not be this year but he is a name that everybody will know definitely very well probably a year or two from now and those two guys you listed josh bledsoe and tyree uh, gillespie or gillespie i don't know uh, we'll have to wait and see with it. We'll have to wait for the uh, the tweet from the RJ's communications have to, guy. Yeah. Uh, both of those guys, I think I've talked about them before. I, I've, I'm really high on both of them as far as what I think they can accomplish in their next two years here. Uh, I think you'll be very familiar with those names probably this year as well. So they're honestly kind of the, again, kind of the key to uh, how good can Missouri's defense be this year is going to depend on those two guys a lot. All right, so that's done, that's done, that's done. All right, so all we have left is offense. <laughs> Moving on to our fifth place spot. Who do you got? Jeez. Uh, uh, let me think here. Yeah, well, this is actually super easy. It's wide receivers. That's who I had as well. You know, I saw a stat um, that it was kind of passed around the, uh, a couple of days ago about Jonathan Johnson. Maybe you, you saw that, that he's like seven or 800 yards away from being the all-time receiving leader at Mizzou. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. I still don't think he'll do it, but I, just I being in that conversation is pretty crazy. But I mean, he's 
and if he stays healthy, I mean, he's almost guaranteed for four or 500 yards, mm-hmm. so he's going to probably get close. He's going to pass some some really, really big names in Mizzou yeah. lore. So um, that'll be that'll be cool to watch. Um, obviously, Jonathan Nance is a guy, that, a grad transfer from Arkansas that we have uh, this year. He's going to start, and I think he's might be our best receiver this year. Um, I think he and Kelly Bryant are going to have really good chemistry. And then an, another guy named Jalen Knox that you should be familiar with, I think has the potential potential to be fantastic as well. So um, all three of those guys really are talented. Uh, Cam Scott is probably the, the fourth guy, the, the, kind of the next guy to break the lineup at some point in there. Um, super athletic guy. Just kind of want to see him you know, get from, more familiar with the playbook and be more consistent. But um, a lot, a lot of bodies for sure at wide receiver. A lot of guys that can make plays. Yeah, when you look at the kind of what the current depth chart has as the second string players, Cam Scott, Don Jacinto, and Alex Ofadale, that's a pretty solid trio of guys. With uh, Barrett Bannisters in there as well um, in the slot, but those guys being backups, that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, for I feel your backup pretty good wide receivers. about yeah. Just if if somebody gets hurt. Or whatever the case is, I think there's a ton of guys that can step in and, and be really efficient. Yeah, during the course of a game, you're always going to have weapons out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, it's not like when you when you sub out one of the starters, you're not going to lose a ton. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that's because the starters aren't anything. You know, they're not spectacular. You know, they all have their deficiencies. We'll see about Jonathan Nance. I mean, he could surprise everyone and just be. Yep. a monster season yeah I, I when it's all said and done after all these guys are are gone and maybe we're five years down the road or whatever it is i think we'll look back and say Jalen knox was probably one of the may could be one of the best receivers we ever have um he's just so talented he's only been playing wide receiver for like a year or two i think he played running back and kind of an all-purpose back in high school and i i'm really really high on him if you've listened to the podcast at all uh from last year football season you'll know i'm I'm a little obsessed with him and Tyler Beatty. So those those two sophomores I, I think very highly of. So. You had to get it, Tyler Beatty's name in there before we even got to the running backs. <laughs> it became a running joke that I am a little obsessed with those two. All right. So coming in fourth on our position group rankings, um, I'll let you go first. I had quarterback. Okay. Um, and... I, as far as just the importance of the quarterback position goes, Kelly Bryant again, one of those, uh, his his success is very dependent, or Mizzou's success is very dependent on how Kelly Bryant does, and that's just common sense to really anybody. But um, he just doesn't have as much experience, especially at Mizzou. We don't know exactly how he's going to play. I think I think we all think he's going to be good. Um, he's a different player than what we're used to in Drew Locke. It's going to be a little I, – I don't think that I – th- I think his deep ball is going to be better than we probably give him credit for. But there's just uh, a lot of unknown there with Kelly Bryant. Um, he could be end up being second or first on this list at the end of the season. I don't really know. So it will be interesting. Yeah, I think – man, you're making a compelling point or a compelling argument for me to put uh, the quarterback position fourth. I actually hadn't decided, but I was leaning towards – offensive line and I think I'm going to stick with that I think it's almost me just not wanting to put unreal expectations on Kelly Bryant um, <clears throat> I, I don't want to think he's going to come in and lead us to a, 
the national championship or something. Right. Like he was a wonderful addition to the team. Uh, probably the most, probably the most talented quarterback transfer on the market. So it was a huge deal for Mizzou and really, He's probably one of the main reasons why I still feel optimistic about this team this year. Right. It's just because we have a, a, an experienced quarterback. And if you're looking back. at the position group of quarterback, right? There, it's pretty bare bones. There's not, there's not a lot, him. especially with Sean uh, Robinson getting his transfer, his uh, his waiver denied. There's not a whole lot of depth. There's literally zero experience. All right, you've convinced me. I'm putting quarterback position <laughs> at fourth. Um, yeah, God forbid something happens to Kelly Bryant because. I don't know what's going to happen. Season, I don't think basically. the coaches know what's going to happen no. uh, at this point. I don't. I really don't know who they would put in if Kelly Bryant goes down week one. But Kelly Bryant is just, he's one of the most anticipated debuts uh, for Missouri football, I, I mean, in a really long time. It's not, yeah. it's not very often that you have a guy who's established, especially at the quarterback position, step in and you get to see them for the first time after they're a big name. Mm-hmm. You know, Missouri has done a good job of sort of starting out quarterbacks relatively young, but then giving them time to develop so that by the time they're junior and senior, they're an established name. But, and it is always exciting. You know, it was exciting. Drew Locke's first game as a senior was really exciting, but that's nothing compared to the anticipation for Kelly Bryant's first game with Missouri. It's a different kind of hype. And I think that's almost what I want to try to temper in myself (laughs) is because... We we were excited for Drew Locke, but we kind of knew what we were getting every year. You right. know, at, after a certain point, we know Drew Locke likes to throw the long ball. He he's really good at at, at this, and he's good at this. But with Kelly Bryant, you know, just kind of w- what you don't know sometimes can be. I don't know. You can overhype stuff, mm-hmm. and and maybe we're underhyping him. I don't know. But I don't I don't want to get ahead of myself. But sure. You're exactly right. He's a very established guy. It was a, it was a massive deal when he committed to Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be really fun. All right, so I'll go with quarterbacks at fourth. Um, and I was planning on going with offensive line at fourth, but I'll just go ahead and bump them up to third. And looking at the depth chart, this is one area I don't think we'll see a ton of change uh, between now and the first game. Maybe at left guard position between uh, Larry Borum and... Case, Case Cook, um, there's a pretty good competition there. Both of those guys are sophomores. But other than that, I mean, Yasir Durant, Tristan Colon-Castillo, Trevor Wallace-Sims, and Hyron White, who I think is going to lock, lock down the right tackle position. That is a really solid group of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I also had offensive line third. Um, yeah, some new faces, but... Some guys that want to come in and prove themselves. Um, Larry Borum, he's like 6'6", 350 pounds, and mm-hmm. he can dunk. Like they were talking <laughs> yeah. about he can like windmill dunk. So he's crazy athletic, and he's enormous. So um, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of drop-off. Um, I mean, Missouri's offensive line has been, has been really good in the last few years and probably helps him out a little bit that Drew Locke gets the ball out pretty quick. Um, but it's it's really pretty outstanding how few times he was sacked and really just didn't have a lot of pressure a lot of times. Yeah. So that'll be good. Um, hopefully that continues. Um, they've been especially excellent at pass blocking. Um, I don't know wh- how much Kelly Bryant's going to be, you know, kind of dropping back and sitting in the pocket. 
Um, so hopefully it might be a little bit of a, of a change for them in the style. Um, they might have to put a little bit more emphasis on run block. I don't really know. But I, either way, I think they're going to be they're going to be really good again. I think one thing that will really help that unit is the fact that Kelly Bryant at any time can break free and run for a touchdown, mm-hmm. no matter where he is on the field. Because that, I think, will keep the defense honest. They won't be able to just sell out for the pass rush because one misstep by a linebacker that's blitzing and Kelly Bryant's got a lane to the middle of the field and he'll just take off. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll help the offense offensive line. I don't think they'll deal with too many just like crazy um, elaborate blitz schemes and stuff like that because I think defenses are going to be um, looking at Kelly Bryant's legs as a pretty legitimate weapon. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so we're down to the final two position groups, and all we have left are running back and tight end. So I think the argument could be made for either one Mm -hmm. to be number one. Um, My number one is going to be running back because I think it has just a little bit better depth than the tight end position, and I could be proven wrong there, um, Daniel Parker is a really good tight end, mm-hmm. you know, something that we didn't expect, but, um, and obviously Alberto is one of the best that Mizzou has ever had, but I think the third string running back, if that's semi Bakari and if he kind of has a similar to season, similar season to what Tyler Beatty did last year, then I think that'll set apart, set the running back group apart as the best on the team. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I had running back first. Um, and my reasoning for that is that at, at tight end, it's it's a similar reasoning to what you just said. There's not as much depth. Uh, Alberto is coming off an injury. He, If he's not as healthy as he could be, then it might be a little sketchy. I think Daniel Parker Jr. did a nice job stepping in last year, showed that obviously he's an athletic freak. I mean, he came in as a defensive lineman, switched to tight end, and ended up catching several touchdowns. and. Well, what I love about Daniel Parker Jr. is just like not only his willingness to just do whatever the team needs, but just his versatility in the passing game and the blocking game. Oh, yeah. I think even in high school, I remember him being, you know, a lot of people were saying he had his most potential at offensive line. He's just a tremendous blocker. And I think we saw that uh, last year. I remember him specifically having one play against Florida where I think it was maybe the first score of the game uh, where he just had this crazy block. He was playing almost like a like a – fullback type mm-hmm. position he had this crazy block and freed up a touchdown run for Larry Roundtree and so he's just so versatile and it's been fun to kind of watch him bounce around and just be successful at like at literally everything that he wants to do yeah um yeah and like you said we know what Alberto is and he's probably the best tight end in college football if he's healthy um so definitely hoping that he can do that I think he's been a little bit injury prone in his time at Missouri but if he's on the field then tight end's pretty scary and if he puts together a full season where he doesn't have really any injuries uh, mm-hmm. that keep him out of any playing time, I think he's probably gone. I, I, think, he, I think he not only that, but could be a first round pick in yeah. the draft if he if he has a, a healthy and and productive season. I'm gonna say third round pick because every draft pick prediction that we made <laughs> about the last year's team, uh, we had we should have moved back about two rounds. Yeah, speaking of tempering expectations, <laughs> uh, and then yeah, my my first place. Uh, position group is running back as well. I want to say one more thing about Daniel Parker real quick. Yes. Uh, 
you talked about his blocking and I, honestly i am so excited for that that's such a weird thing to be excited for but with kelly bryant running the ball and sort of the read options and mm-hmm. speed options that they'll have when daniel parker's on the field i think at any time he is a key that will turn one of those plays into a huge play or a touchdown you know a 50 yard gain because he just has it seems like he just has the instincts to just put just lead the way and just have that perfect block Mm -hmm. that sets off a huge a huge run it's so cool to see the like inner workings of the plays and kind of see it unfold and i just for whatever whatever reason i remember that really sticking in my mind of that play of him Mm -hmm. springing that that big run for larry roundtree last year against florida and yeah they might try to do some some two tight end sets to try to get him and alberto both out there for maybe different reasons alberto's you know he he can block all right but obviously we know him for his receiving abilities Mm -hmm. so all right, so it's a running back. Feel free. Obviously, yeah. we, we, we know the running backs pretty well at this point. Roundtree has the potential to leave early after this year as well. It's crazy that he's only a junior. I feel like he's been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy that, about that. that if he stays for a senior year, you'll be talking about um, up yeah. there at the top of the leaderboards Definitely could in break Missouri some history. For yeah. sure. Um, and then Tyler Beatty. So what I think what I love about those guys is they just kind of complement each other so well. Uh, Larry Roundtree's kind of the power back, but still has some – He's not the the fastest guy. He doesn't have a lot of top end speed, but he's really shifty for how big he and powerful he is. Like he's got great footwork and and vision. I think he moves laterally very well. Uh, and then Tyler Beatty is just like so quick and and has so so much great agility and he's such a big threat in the receiving game as well. So I just think they complement each other so well. And and yeah, there's a lot of depth there with with Semi Bakari had um had some really nice plays whenever he was out there and limited capacity but i think he's a really solid third option and um anthony watkins is the freshman guy coming in who put up just video game like numbers in high school just insane numbers i can't believe that he was only like a two-star player i don't he didn't really get recruited by anybody um but i think he's he's going to be really good eventually as well so ton of options at, at running back um don't want to see anybody get hurt, but I kind of like we talked about with wide receivers. I think that there's several guys you could plug in there and that would be fine. Yeah. I think, well, we touched on this with the offensive line, just the way that they've kind of got a, the way that they're recruiting and bringing in guys, it just feels like it might never stop. Like they're just going to keep plugging in Mm -hmm. new guys that are huge and um, are good blockers. And I feel like it's kind of the same way with running back. I mean, Missouri has kind of quietly been one of the better schools in recent years of developing running backs that kind of have pro potential. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't look like it'll stop anytime soon, especially, I mean, even in the 2020 class, they've picked up a running back that has a promising future. So, yeah. I mean, Tyler Beatty was like a two-star guy who was committed to like Memphis, I think, or something. And, you know, I, I think the coaching staff and Cornell Ford specifically deserve a lot of credit for the job they've done identifying talent um, when it's not really showing up in the rankings or whatever it is. You know, they're, they're not, they, it's very clear that Missouri is not going by the rivals rankings uh, yeah. whenever they look for talent. They, they know what they're looking for. And uh, I think they've done a fantastic job identifying talent. All right. So it's pretty clear, even though our rankings are kind of We've got some. We have very similar rankings. Very similar, but some differences here and there. Actually, are well. I, I, I kind of wanted to put the quarterbacks above the offensive line, but you talked me into it. But <laughs> one thing that's clear is the offense 
has the most, I think they have the, obviously the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. Mm-hmm. I mean the highest floor, yeah. highest ceiling and highest floor, which yes. you don't typically see. Yeah. Um, well, just the most returning experience. Yeah. I think that's and, what we went by a lot in our rankings. Right. And the defense has clearly the most uh, room for improvement uh, based on the last three or four seasons. Mm-hmm. And, but they have an opportunity to, I think the offense, we know what we're going to get and it's going to be fairly consistent. The defense has an opportunity to turn a seven or eight win season into a nine or 10 win season just by coming up with some clutch uh, drive stopping plays, some turnovers when they really need them. And I think they could step up and make the difference in a lot of games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I need to look up his name, but they brought in a new uh, coach in the, in the secondary this year and his I don't know how this is your specialty, but his specialty is literally like causing turnovers, yeah. like forcing turnovers. So um, he's done He's done it everywhere he's been. Right. Um, so I think that'll be a bigger emphasis for Missouri's defense this year. And, I mean, the, a turnover, getting a turnover at, the, at an opportune time in the game is absolutely massive. Getting mm-hmm. a, an interception or forcing a fumble or, you know, whatever it is, um, it can just we, – we've seen how it can swing momentum – and good or bad ways so and missouri was kind of known for that a few years ago they yeah. had a crazy streak where they had forced a turnover in like 30 straight games third i think it got into the 30s yeah and then it that streak broke i think home game against indiana mm-hmm. i think a lot of that is just kind of being in the right place at the right time but certainly there, there's obviously uh there's ways that you can improve um the statistical chances of of, of causing yeah. turnovers so. putting yourself in the position to take advantage of you know, uh, the opponent's mistake basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, Missouri is able to capitalize on that. Uh, one more thing quickly I wanted to add just like kind of on top of the player previews was a kind of, uh, maybe two guys to kind of keep an eye on this year that you may not know a whole lot about. And obviously both these players are on the defense because there's a lot more players on the defense that you may not know about. But, uh, the first guy I wanted to mention was Nick Bolton and we kind of talked about him a little bit earlier, but He's going to play, I think, the position that Therese Hall played last year. So he, one of the outside linebacker positions. Uh, but he's kind of an under-recruited guy from Texas. But uh, I remember hearing a lot of good things about him last year, just like he was picking up the playbook really, really well. But there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for him to break into the lineup last year with so much you know, experience and leadership on the linebacking core last year. But I think that he will be a very – pleasant surprise uh this year and you will you will know him very quickly um and then the other guy i wanted to mention and this was this is a, i'm a little bit less sure about this one just because we really don't know anything about this guy but his name is uh trey john jeffcoat and he plays on the defensive end and there's so much room for oper- there's so much opportunity at defensive end for really anybody to to take uh, a hold there because we've got some returning guys and chris turner and Maybe a Kale Byers might play some time, might have some time at defensive end, but nobody is is uh, an established name there at all. And so I think Jeffco is kind of the next next guy who might step up and uh, have have potential to be really good. He actually is sitting out in camp right now because he sprained his elbow, but so hopefully he gets back into the action quickly. Uh, and then I also I just remember that Trey Williams was uh, reinstated onto the team, so he's going to get some playing time at defensive end as well. Yeah, hopefully that group can surprise us and at least you know get some have some kind of presence in the opponent's backfield yep they have to if we're gonna be if we're gonna be good 
I still think um, the player I'm most excited about is obviously Kelly Bryant. And I've just flipped on uh, YouTube a few times and just searched Kelly Bryant highlights Mm -hmm. um, in the last few weeks. And there's definitely reason to be excited. And if you want to get excited about football season, go ahead and look at some Kelly Bryant highlights when he was at Clemson. And you can see, you can definitely see how he fits into what Missouri is going to try to do. I mean, I really think they're going to have one of the better running games in the entire country Mm -hmm. this coming season. And I think that'll help the defense a lot if they're able to control the time of possession. Mm -hmm. We haven't really talked about a Missouri team doing that much. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit more last year than years before, but I think they're just going to control the ball, wear down the opponent, and I don't think the opponent is going to have much opportunity to score because of how methodical the Missouri offense is going to be this year. Yeah, and again, I don't want to try to stoke the fire too much of of how excited we are about Kelly Bryant, but I think you could make an argument that Kelly Bryant might be a better fit for the Missouri offense than Drew Locke was just because of the RPO stuff they're doing. And um, there's, there's so many like player options uh, that the quarterback has in the system. And I I think Kelly Bryant probably fits what they want to do perfectly. And I think even Derek Dooley said in an interview in the past couple of days that they're not really changing the offense. They're going to run the same offense. Probably going to be a lot less deep balls, but they're still going to be there, and all the RPO stuff is going to be the same. I think he'll. I think Kelly Bryant will have more options than Drew Locke did. Drew Locke, even when it looked like a read option play, a lot of times there was never an option for him to keep the ball. They would actually place that into the offense mid-game and be like, "Okay, they are not paying attention to you at all. Go ahead and run it," (laughs) and then it would work. So I think that'll be the option right from the beginning with Kelly Bryant. I mean. So I want to make it clear. I'm not saying Kelly Bryant's going to be better than Drew Locke, but I think he could be potentially a better fit for heard, the heard offense here first. they're running. Kyle says Drew Locke greater than, I mean, <laughs> Kelly Bryant greater than Drew Locke. Well, I feel pretty good about that preview. Uh, especially on the defensive end, it helps me kind of know what names to look for this season and beyond. But other than that, I do want to um, – let everybody know that we have a really uh, special episode next week. So you're going to want to make sure you listen to that. And then the schedule moving forward, obviously will be every week moving forward through football season. Um, we're going to do our sort of NFL street style seven on seven draft next week. We are going to then have a full preview of the entire football season along with our picks. And then right after that, we'll be previewing the first game of the season. So it will be upon us shortly. Mm-hmm. But that's all I have for this week. Yeah, the same for me. Uh, tell us who your players you're looking forward to seeing um, on Twitter. Uh, but you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter, at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.